Hi, this is Debbie Taylor Williams. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so glad you're here and pray the Lord will speak to you through this message. This study is going to be fantastic. And did you enjoy your first week of study already getting into it? But the very, very, very first thing we want to do, as you well know, is we want to go to our Heavenly Father. We want to pray. And so just join me right now. Heavenly Father, you are a good God. You are a gracious God. You are the one who oversees eternity. And in your hands, we rest. We trust. And Lord, we are excited to get to be a part of this study because what you did through your Holy Spirit and those first century Christians, you want to continue the work in us, in our generation. And so Father, we just say today, here we are. Here we are. Do your work in us. In Jesus' name and all the people say, Amen. Okay, let's look here at this study of Acts because we're going to run through it real quickly. And there is so much for us to look at. I have this first overhead because it says Acts of the Apostle. How many of your Bibles say Acts of the Apostles? I would like to encourage you that that is right on, but you might want to add Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because truly, what the book of Acts is, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. So for instance, if you are serving the Lord, you wouldn't say it's the act of Trish, it's the act of Debbie. We want our lives to be a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And so we say, Lord, thank you. You are showing us the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles and the birth of the first century church. And you're showing us that you also want to continue and you want to work through us. Now, Luke is the author of two accounts, and I bet you already know this. He wrote the book of Luke, which is Jesus's life from his birth to his ascension. And then the second book is the continuation of his very thorough research. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and let's read together in Acts 1, 1 through 5, to give us some background information or in case you have not had an opportunity to study yet. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard off from me. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being one of those disciples to whom you're looking at this risen earthly ministry? You looked at him and you saw him do things that were impossible, walk on water, heal people who had been lame or blind their whole lives, and you, you, you believed that he was across the Son of the living God. Peter made that confession, others did, but then you see him impotent hanging on the cross, bloody, 
put in a tomb. And the amazing thing is we look at this, it says he presented himself alive. Can you imagine if Queen Elizabeth all of a sudden presented herself in the dining room of the castle? That's what happened. It was that bizarre, that crazy. And so what Luke is doing in writing the book of Acts, he is doing a continuation of Luke, and he's saying, I I wrote to you, Theophilus, which means friend of God, lover of God. But it also, we know from his writing in Luke when he wrote, he said, most excellent Theophilus. So this was probably a high-ranking official. We see this from other scriptures, this terminology that he used. And Luke is wanting to get it right. He is wanting to make sure he's got the facts. He's a doctor. He's not sloppy. He is wanting to investigate. He is wanting Theophilus to have the exact truth and knowledge. He is going to put it in chronological order. He's going to have dates, time, places, facts. And for you and me, that means that you and I can also know that what we are reading has been carefully researched. It has not been thrown together. Now, as we look at this, I do not expect you to look at this chart and grasp it. But what I want to do is just let you know the the very details and the scheme and the magnitude of what we will have the opportunity to study. The first part of Acts is going to be about the work of the Holy Spirit primarily through Peter. And the second part of Acts Next semester will be primarily the work of the Holy Spirit through Paul. But Luke, as he writes this in AD 61, is going to use some key words, witness, witness, witness. We are going to see that power, power, power. We are going to see this. Holy Spirit is used 50 times in the book of Acts. And you see that blue star at the bottom. It shows its beginning in Jerusalem when the church was established, that it, the church was scattered, the church was extended all the way to Rome and to the rest of the world. Now, prior to Jesus' ascension, Jesus commanded the disciples to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. We just read that. And so this is your outline, your listening guide, that we are going to be looking at as we go through this first chapter very quickly, as a matter of fact. In verses 1 through 4, we see the believer's position. Where am I in relation to Jesus Christ? I am a follower That is my position. That is your position if you're a Christian. The second thing we're going to see in verse 5 is the believer's provision. What provision has God made for me to live as a Christian? And we know that that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it is not just the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we think, well, that's nice. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. Would you say the word with me? Power. Ladies, I have to tell you, I think this is the takeaway for us. The takeaway for us. Not that we can go around and tell people, I'm a Christian and I have the Holy Spirit in me and I'm going to heaven. I think our world needs to see it. They need to see you and me not being whiny, not being fearful, not being eaten up with anxiety, not being the chief worry wart in the room. They need to see us overcoming certain things in our lives. The front line of people who are going to see us overcome anything is going to be the people closest to us, spouse, child, caregiver, relative. Let this study of Acts be more than here. Let it be here 
and let it be life-changing for you because that is our Heavenly Father's desire or he would have just said, I'm going to seal you with the Holy Spirit. You're good to go now to heaven. But he didn't just say, I'm going to seal you with the Holy Spirit. You're good to go for heaven. He said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and what? Power. That's why those light bulbs are up there. Those light bulbs have a power source, and God has given you and me a power source. The next thing that we're going to see in verses 5 through 8 is that our purpose, what is our purpose? Oh, great, I've got all this power. Well, what's our purpose? Our purpose is to be spirit-filled witnesses of Christ. We are supposed to be able to give a defense. We're supposed to be able to say why we have light, hope, joy, the next thing we see in verses 9 through 11 are the believer's promise. And friends, we are promised. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And we'll be talking about this a little bit more as we get to those verse. In verses 12 through 14, we're going to see the believer's prayer life. And oh, how I love this. While they were waiting, they were worshiping. While they were waiting, they were worshiping. The next thing we see in verses 15 through 26 is the believer's productivity. I don't know about you, but I don't want my life to be wasted. Do you want your life to be wasted? Do you want your day to be wasted? Do you want your month to be wasted? Do you feel good when you have had something on your to-do list and you checked it off? You got her done. Does that make you feel good? It will make God feel so good when we do and work in some of the walk, in some of the ways that he has given us to work. And we see that we walk in the works Christ has prepared for us to do, and we do it at his initiative. Have you ever tried to get ahead of God? Have you ever said, oh, I think I'll do this, or I'll take care of this? At his initiative. So let's look at this principle. Jesus' ascension was not the end of Jesus. Amen? He continues to work by the Holy Spirit in believers, and so that is where we are today. So let's look first at our position as followers because it is foundational. If we don't get this very first point in these very first verses, we will miss it, and it may be the problem, the issue in our life as a Christian, why we haven't already run the race in a better way that God has given us to run. In verse uh, 3, we see that as followers of Christ, in verse 3, he proved, as we've mentioned, but in verse 4, he commanded. Gathering them together, he commanded them. Now, what does that tell you? That tells that there is a commander-in-chief and then there are followers. The reason I emphasize this is we may have Christ's word, we may know it, but if we are not doing it, if we are not doing it, if we are not being slow to speak, slow to anger, then we are ignoring our commander-in-chief. If we are not being filled continually to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, then we are not following in line with our commander-in-chief. And so we must understand this principle that Christ gives us marching orders. Look at your neighbor and say, Christ has given you some marching orders. 
<clears throat> we have marching orders. You ought to feel so special that his, in his plan, he would entrust the Holy Spirit to you and give you some marching orders. I love Ephesians 2.10 that follows the way of salvation, that it's not of our works, but then it says that we were created for good works that he prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So we see these principles and we see these points very quickly. We are to obey the Lord and do the same thing and do and say things on his initiative as Jesus did. I'll show you some verses in that in a second, but real quickly, I just want to turn to John 5.30 because over and over and over, the scriptures keep referring to how Jesus did everything, not on his initiative, but on God's initiative. In John 5.30, he says, let me turn over there to for you. It says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. This is Jesus speaking. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is just because I do not seek my own will. Friends, I am so guilty of the opposite. I'm real into my will. Are any of you? I'm very into my will. I'll give you a quick example. We had the opportunity Thurs, our, with our Thursday Bible study uh, that Pat is leading. And if you know somebody that works and they can't come, then they can come on Thursday nights. Well, the, they were going to use and have available these recorded, our church is recording uh, the teaching session right now. And so people would have the opportunity to watch the video if they wanted to. But we had a couple of people say, oh, they would prefer to have the teaching segment being given on Thursday night. They thought I was going to be there. Well, my will was, oh, well, I already would have been there Wednesday. I'm, my will, I'm not gonna go back Thursday night. My will, anybody get me what I'm saying? And then the Lord was just sort of like, hmm, my will, my will. And I was like, but two nights, I mean, two days in a row, my will, Debbie, my will. And he, he just reminded me, it's, it's his will, his will we are to be living for. And if somebody can come on Thursday night and be encouraged by the word of God, then shouldn't they be? Yes. So consider this. And on each of, on your handout, write down. If God speaks to you on one of these points, because there's so many points in these verses, but if God speaks to you on one point, consider it. Am I being selfish with my time? Do, am I really doing God's will? Or am I, am I not? Am I wanting to do things on my initiative? We see how faith is required to be a Christian because those disciples, they had to do what, or they didn't have to, but they chose to do, and they did do what Jesus told them to do, to go back and to wait. And we see God working to the degree that we obey him. Next week, we'll jump into Acts 2, but it's important for us to realize that if the disciples had not waited like Jesus told them to, then they would not have been there for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the magnificent work. It's so important that we do what our Lord does. The takeaway for us is 
And I convinced Jesus is Savior, but do not treat him as Lord of my day. Am I paying attention to Christ? I brought, I brought these blueberries because this point that I'm, or the question I'm asking you, am I paying attention? Is because the other morning after I'd been studying, I was hungry. And so I went in and I grabbed some blueberries out of the refrigerator. And I was sitting there and I was reading and I was putting my blueberries in my mouth. And then I looked down and I saw that some of them were just gross molded. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, it just made me sick. I ran in there and threw them out. Why did that happen? Because I was just going about my day. I was, I was doing this, I was doing that, I was grabbing this whole snack. I wasn't paying attention. Are you not paying attention to the distinction between your will and God's will? We wanna look and see, as I mentioned, Jesus did nothing on his own initiative. That means my own self. And he said this over and over. We don't have time to read these verses, but John 8, 28, John 14, 10, John 16, 13. He said that even the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own initiative, but the Holy Spirit who speaks to you and me will be speaking at the initiative of the Father. Now, we want, I want us to look at our our provision, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and power, and we'll really hit on this next week. But he made that distinction between the baptism of John that is external, it's symbolic, it has no power, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that is internal, it's spiritual, and it changes a person. I brought my mouse up here. That's a picture of a keyboard and a mouse if you can't tell it. But this mouse can control my laptop. They're paired. That's the terminology for it, if any of you aren't into electronics. Bluetooth pairs these. I also have earphones. I also have a keyboard. They don't have to be physically connected in order. And I just did something here, so let me see if I can do it where I know it. I'm just talking too big here. But they're able to, and in the same way, I know you've heard illustrations like this before, but the Holy Spirit, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the Father, they want to direct us through our day in the tiniest of ways, in the biggest of ways. So will you make sure every morning and continually through the day you are paired? And what happens is if I'm not constantly using my mouse, it goes to sleep. And some of us may spiritually go to sleep. And so we want to make sure that we are paired and that we are listening and paying attention. Now in verses five through eight, we let's read that very quickly and see, and I know you know these verses, there are such powerful verses in Acts one, five through eight. We're gonna be learning so, 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 so much. In Acts 1, 5 through 8, he explains, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from there. So when they were coming together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is it at this time you're going to get on David's throne? 
And he said to them, it is not for you to know. Times are epics, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem. You know those verses. And then we see that this Holy Spirit, as I've told you, that dunamis is the Greek word and it comes from the word dynamite. We have dynamite. Just do this and say, I have dynamite. So I'm, I'm not kidding. I have dynamite. Say it. I have dynamite power. Okay, y'all aren't participating as well as I'd like. I have dynamite power. Yes. Yes. This morning I got dressed. I had on some, I put on some faded blue jeans and black shirt. I didn't think y'all would care. And I said to my husband, does this look, look okay? And he looked at me. And he said, well, and I said, can you just tell me? I don't have time. Just tell me. But I already knew the answer and by his face. And, and, and then he said, well, I said, can you just tell me? We've been married 48, eight years almost, so we can just have fun and I can just rush him along here in the conversation. And he said, well, you look kind of drab. <laughs> Therefore, I have on gold and jewelry and gold shoes and probably too much makeup now. But I didn't want to look drab for y'all. But when he said that, I started thinking, I thought, I wonder if the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Lord God, Jesus, everything's, you and I look drab. Look drab. Because we're... <laughs> and we should be... Walking in power, speaking in power, thinking in power. Are you excited about the opportunity that we have? In verses 9 through 11, we see the believers promise that Jesus will return from heaven in the same way he ascended into heaven. Luke tells us he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he... Oh, wouldn't it be fun if I had a little thing on me and I could just go up in the air right now? Didn't think about it in time. But can you imagine... If I was, what if I was just talking to you? And all of a sudden, I'm just like, oh, Wendy, see you later. <laughs> well, what would you think? And you watched me go all the way up through the clouds. A little video you saw were my toes. They saw that. Jesus could not have done anything sweeter than to have done it that way because you know your loved one is alive in heaven, right? Glorified body, alive in heaven. As he ascended, we're going to have that opportunity to be watchful. I'm going to give you two verses real quick because we don't have time to read them right now. But in Luke 2, 25 and 36, there were, there were two people who were being very watchful for the arrival of Christ the first time, Simeon and Anna. Anna was 84, and she was a widow and in the temple, continually serving God. And Simeon was in the temple, serving God. And they both were awaiting, intentional, filled with the Spirit, expectant. And so when Mary and Joseph brought in baby Jesus. They were there to be used. Their names are recorded in the Bible, and they were used by the Lord to, yes, identify Jesus. 
In the same way, I believe that the Lord is looking to see if you and I are being watchful. Are we looking at the heavens? Are we serving him, waiting for his second return? Because the angels said to them in verses 9 through 11, Why, men of Galilee, do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way. What just the same way? He will come visibly. He will come accompanied by angels. He will come at the Mount of Olives, and he will come in his glorified body. Now, if you haven't traveled to the Mount of Olives, we know that even Zechariah 14 and other prophets tell that Jesus will return to the Mount of Olives. And I was going to show you this map, but, and let me just real quickly, the green on the map is the Mount of Olives. And this was a very important place. It was a mountain range, and so Bethany was on that mountain range where the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were, where Jesus got the donkey from that he was rode, was from there. He gave the Olivet Discourse, which is in Matthew, about his return. The Garden of Gethsemane is located there. So this Mount of Olives is a very important place in Israel to the east of Jerusalem. And the scriptures tell us that he will return there. As a matter of fact, there are some interesting uh, notes for us to think about the return of Christ. 17 Old Testament books refer to the return of Christ. 23 of the 27 New Testament books refer to the return of Christ. Get this. The second coming of Christ outnumbers the references to the first coming of Christ eight to one. <gasps> Did you know that? I didn't either. Isn't that amazing? So we need to be working. We need to be good laborers in the fields. We need to be telling people about the Lord. Now, in verses 12 through 14, we're looking at the believer's prayer life and how important it is that we worship while we wait for his return, just like the disciples said. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey, which is a little over 2,000 steps, not 2,000 miles. And when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they had been staying, Peter and John, it gives you all of their names, and it says in verse 14, they were all with one mind continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women. And it's, at this time, Peter stood up, and we'll get to that, but how long did the disciples wait? How long did they have to wait? Do you know? Well, here's a little bit of trivia, 10 days. And the way we know that was the resurrection was on the Feast of First Fruits, and we know that his ascension was 40 days later. We know that Pentecost happened on the 50th day after the Feast of First Fruits because these are established Jewish holidays. And so you take 40 out of 50 and you've got that they waited for a period of 10 days. But what did they do? They were continually devoting themselves to prayer. They were gathering with other believers. They were fulfilling their calling. They were studying the scripture. They were teaching and encouraging each other, and they were acting on scripture. 
And while you wait, I want to share with you these verses. Psalm 27, 14, because some of you are in a waiting period. You're waiting for a spouse. You're waiting for a loved one to go be with Jesus. You're waiting for a job. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret. My soul, wait in silence. My hope is in him. Psalm 119, 147, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I wait for your word. Some of you are looking for direction. Hosea 12, 6, this is important with all the political unrest in our nation. Therefore, return to your God, observe kindness and justice. Be a kind person, be a just person, and wait for your God continually. And there are some promises for you while you are waiting as he describes. The Lord favors those who fear him, who wait. Oh, he favors you. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Do you want the Lord to be good to you? Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength for every day. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait for the Lord who will bring to light. Do you believe God's going to bring to light the evil in this world? You betcha. In verses 12 through 14, we see the believer's prayer life to worship while you wait. Will you do that? And finally, in closing, in verses 15 through 26, the believer's productivity. Walk in the good works God has prepared for you. I love how Peter stands up. He takes the good work that God gave him to shepherd the sheep. He is now doing it. He's getting her done. And he stood up. And he says in verse 16, brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled. And we've got Peter, a fisherman, and he is quoting Psalms, and he is quoting a variety of places in the scriptures. He's, you can just see that he would have been pouring over the scriptures because Jesus always used the scriptures to explain himself. When you're trying to decide what to do, if you're in a committee, agree on the criteria, pray, worship the Lord, Ask him to show you as, even while they drew lots, they also, what was paramount, was prayed in verse 24 and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you have shown. And then they acted on what they knew. They acted and asked Matthias to be one of the apostles. Christ has prepared you for good works. Are you walking in them? Artemis? Was NASA's big rocket that they expected to lift off? I think it was in August. They had to postpone it. They could not get that thing to lift off. Jesus had no trouble <laughs> lifting off. You can trust him. You can believe him. You can worship while you wait. And I love you and I'll see you next week. Father, thank you for your word that we can chew on it, we can digest it, and we can walk it out. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about how to grow in Christ or to be saved, visit www.debbietaylorwilliams.com. Connect with me on Instagram at Debbie Taylor Williams. God bless you.